leader of the club that's made of me and you and you. M-I-C-K-E-Y-E-D-92 So hey there, hi there, ho there, we are here to sing for you. M-I-C-K-E-Y-E-D-92 Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of the ED92 podcast. I believe this is episode 9, but if it is not, then it's Michael's fault. Uh, I'm joined as usual by my two wonderful co-hosts, uh, Mr. Curious Axel, the best beard in DLP. Hello. Good evening, or morning, or noon, whenever or you're listening. whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. Michael McNeela, hello. Hello. <laughs> Michael is just back from uh, California. I am. We should talk about this actually later in the show. Ooh. And Axel is just back from Belgium. Uh, so I'm today, still here. <laughs> still here. Yeah. Then move. Uh, today uh, is Thursday, uh, the twenty second of March. Yes. And we had some very big news, which woke me up this morning at six forty-five. Very uh, sorry. Uh, uh, Catherine Powell. Uh, so uh, the short headline is Catherine Powell is leaving. Uh, she is not. She is, but she isn't. So just to sum up for everyone who hasn't heard the news, Catherine Powell has been named uh, the head of um, Disney Parks Western Region, uh, which means that she will now be overseeing uh, Disneyland Paris from a higher level and Walt Disney World Resort and Disneyland Resort. So she will be uh, sandwiched between uh, Bob Chapek and the new uh, CEO of Disneyland Paris, which we don't know who it's going to be. We'll talk about rumors and expectations and fears later. Um, and she'll be working with the uh, other two heads of uh, Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resort in order to... Um, manage all three parks on the Western Hemisphere. And I believe there is also a head of Asia. I don't yes. remember his name. Um, so this happens. Axel has an opinion. I have mine. Uh, personally, I mean, I think I said it this morning. I think Catherine Powell is probably the most loved CEO of Disneyland Paris in the entire history. It's the first time that a CEO at Disneyland Paris is approachable listens to guests, listens to fans, interacts with them, and and just her energy has been amazing for the past 18 months. Uh, every time she's met cast members and guests, she's always been lovely and smiling, and she has impeccable style, which is important. Uh, so we really are going to miss her in the parks and at our Paris events. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very, very big, big shoes to fill for whoever is coming after her uh so we we wish her the best uh best of luck please don't forget us please come and visit uh Catherine's going to be based in la starting this summer so hopefully we'll know a little bit before the summer uh or fate and who's gonna take over uh axel hey but before you start before the hate mail is gonna come in I do not have another opinion. I'm, I think she's the most beloved CEO of all time because she was the first CEO 
who actually came into the parks and who fans actually knew. If you're gonna say other names to fans, they're gonna say, what, who, who do you mean, what? What did he do? What? Eh? What? Well, so, I remember one in particular because uh, so, his cool gets smiled, but we'll talk about it later. I mean, that's not the point. The thing is that we all knew when she came to Disneyland Paris, like about 18 months ago, and I think we talked about her, I mean, in the inner circle of ED92, that that would be a stop for her, that this wasn't the, the end station, that it was to do something bigger and better. So they got her from the Walt Disney Company Australia, got her to Paris. She needed to have the experience. And the with, exposure. Yes, and, and that's what she did. And she did a great job, but it was never meant to last. I know. And at a certain point, we have to be happy for her. And maybe it came sooner than we thought or we hoped. But on the other hand, I think that was the plan all along. And it was the moment, I mean, the Walt Disney Company has been seemingly out of the blue, completely restructured last week uh, with notably, uh, you know, Disney parks and resorts encompassing now merchandising, which is a lot for Bob Chapek to take on. So it does make sense to have another layer at the parks level. Um, and Catherine, I think, fits in very well and um, she'll do great. Uh, and the good thing also, I like to say, is that now she's going to be at an even higher level and she can be out there fighting for us, fighting for equality <laughs> between, uh, between us and the American parks for, you know, for everything from budgets and attention, promotions, marketing, uh, entertainment, everything. Uh, and she knows the Paris teams probably better than the US teams. Uh, so I think we're actually at an advantage here and hopefully uh, she will do great things for Paris. Um, Axel, you had an opinion about what happened this morning. This morning? What, what happened this morning? Well, everyone was congratulating her. Oh, and yeah. I think it's great. And I think she did that tweet to thank everyone who had been tagging her. You think it's too much? I mean, when she was appointed CEO, she had an open Twitter so not a, a closed one, not a blocked one. Uh, people started following her, tagging her in everything she did. And then a the moment came that she said, well, okay, I need to, to block and protect my account. And I think when you have a blocked account, that's for a reason. And I know that people are very happy, but within my tweets, and I did uh, for International Women's Day, I did it this morning before all the news came out, I posted a picture of uh, me and Katrin, Katrin and me, and uh, I tagged Disneyland Paris because it was taken there, but I'm not going to tag her. I mean, it's really nice, but sh if she goes to a hashtag or goes to at Disneyland Paris, she's going to see it as well. And I know that people mean well, but if you have a protected Twitter account, just respect that. And I mean, congratulate her, but just write her name at Disneyland Paris, at the Euro Disney Group, and I'm sure she will read it. I mean, you would be surprised what they read and what they find without being tagged. And I've been seeing that really close uh, with uh, the number two of Disneyland Paris, who I was surprised 
reads my tweets, but I don't seem to find him in my list of followers and I never tagged him. And still he knows who I am and he reads my tweets. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear that everyone who wants to keep on top of things and doesn't want to be seen has a ghost account. So he probably <coughs> does as well. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's sweet. And you know, it's, it's also the end of her tenure here in Paris. So it's kind of like the last time that we'll get to tag her. And I think everyone wanted to really make sure she saw it. And she does, she does like every tweet that she's tagged in. And I mean, maybe not today because obviously she probably has a lot to do. Uh, but I don't know. I thought it was sweet, and it was incredible to see because uh, you know we're we're the we posted very early this morning, and I think there was a big gap until the U.S. woke up and someone else posted about it. So a lot of the reactions were also on our feed, um, and it was great. It was great to read everyone who tagged her and everyone who replied to us or you know through us or quoted us. Uh, really positive messages uh really inspirational people were really happy to meet her everyone who's met her has been really happy so good job catherine michael you haven't said anything i just was thinking that have you met catherine or no i've only read about her and seen her <laughs> face online um she does seem really nice and she's the first uh, person in command of Disneyland Paris that I've known about in more detail than just like a passing name. Uh, everyone else, like, uh, I don't know. Everyone else could have done just as good a job in terms of like running everything, but they weren't on my radar Ooh. as much as Catherine is. Uh, so for that, I think that was really cool. And I'll. I'll share my Catherine moment. Uh, I've met her for the press event at the 25th anniversary and something she said really resonated. Uh, and she said, you know, the parks, it's all about the story. And I think that's something very important and everyone, even in corporates, even in marketing needs to remember. People come to, to Disney parks to live a story, to be in a story, to hear a story, to see a story. And I think that's very important to keep in mind. And she got that from the start. It's about the story. Like, what story are you telling your guests? Where are you taking them? And I think we see that with people disappointment and illumination. There is no story. You need a story. When you go to Disney parks, you go there because you want to be taken somewhere. You want to escape the real world and you want to be in a story. So hopefully this will stay and then, you know, the, the, the successors of uh, Catherine will remember that. Um, so, yeah. So now, talking about successors, what's going to happen to us? Uh, rumors, uh, everyone was very quick to uh, point to Philip Gass, who was uh, moved, moved, sent, exiled to Shanghai uh, before Tom Olberg came in. Uh, and he's been, I think, doing a good job at launching the park. Uh, which is now complete, and uh, people are saying, has he not done a good job, Axel? He's people like are peeing in the bushes. Come on, do you okay, want that guy? <laughs> I don't think that's his fault, though. Uh, I was having dinner with a friend yesterday, and he <laughs> just came back from Shanghai, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I only saw a couple peeing in the queues." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Side note: I mean, we're not, uh, we're not. Free of the people peeing in bushes in Disneyland Paris. 
Very true. Very when we when I read about it, I was like, oh my god, people do that. But like separately in my mind, apparently I didn't link up the fact that that also happens. Probably on a, a lesser scale, hopefully. Uh, yeah. In Disneyland Paris. <laughs> it does happen, and we sometimes hear about it, but we don't post about it because it, what's the point? But yeah. you know. I mean, for <laughs> the the whole. <laughs> You have the number two that is uh, Daniel Delcourt right now. Exactly, and that's the second rumor. Yes, but I don't think that from this place on, he's gonna go directly to the post of CEO. I'm not saying it's not possible, but what I see happening is Philippe Gus has overseen the whole Shanghai project was nominated president before opening. So has seen all the constructions. There's a two billion investment coming. He knows how to handle all that crap. So I do see him coming back mm. and maybe a switch, maybe Daniel Lecourt becoming CEO in Shanghai and then heading back to Paris to mm. fulfill the, I mean, it's only thinking. You can have somebody totally different like Katrin, who came from uh, across the ocean, came, came from all the way from Australia to do this in an, a whole other uh, side of, of the Walt Disney Company. It could be something like that. It could be somebody from, from another park, one of the COOs or see what the peep owes uh, from Walt Disney World or Disneyland Resort. I think someone from the US will be tough because Disneyland Paris has a very specific, and you know, Catherine has been trying to change this, but Disneyland Paris has a very specific internal culture, and it's it's very hard to master. You need someone who's lived in Europe, who speaks the language. Um, it's a tough one to find someone from the U.S. Uh, but I, going back to Daniel Delcourt, I think I I understand the whole construction side of things, but you can have. You can have a manager for that. You can have like a, a an, like an executive who can take care of that. Um, like Axel, he's pointing at himself. Just <laughs> FYI. <laughs> and that, but I feel like now that we have this extra layer with Catherine above, then the CEO of Disneyland Paris, the head of Disneyland Paris, doesn't need necessarily to be so corporate. -y. Before they were dealing with everything. The banks, the investors, the investments, the corporates, the the markets, and everything. Now, now Disneyland Paris is part of the Walt Disney Company, and Catherine is going to be overseeing all three parks at a higher level, probably at a more corporate level. And the head of Disneyland Paris really, I feel, now is only going to focus on guest experience and entertainment and all that stuff, which is what Daniel Delcourt has been doing. Did the did the buck stop or the layering stop? at that role in the past for paris wow okay well like yes. i realize by definition that role is meant to be the top of kind of the chain yeah. but it seems odd that they would have to handle things like i don't know i'm not sure well previously disneyland paris was the quoted company until last summer yeah so the ceo had to answer to the investors one of them being the walt disney company a very large share especially towards the end, but not originally. Um, and the other side being just the uh, markets, the, you know, you and me, investors. Um, so yeah, they had to deal with, the Walt Disney Company was just another investor. 
And did they not always have, I believe, did they, did they always have a controlling interest, Axel? Mm -hmm. They were always at 51, it was right? the, no, no, well, there was a structure where even if the Walt Disney Company would own a few percent or a very low percentage, the structure was that they always had a final saying because it was a Disney right. park. So really weird construction, but they always had had a final say in, in what they want to do. But corporate wise, to answer your question, Michael, the CEO was the head of okay. Disneyland Paris. And whether yet... now, whether now that whether now it's not even going to be, it's almost not not even going to be a CEO. I mean, we still have sub companies, so yes, but it's going to be just like the head of Walt Disney World or the president of Disneyland Resort. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be called a president and not a CEO. So, so in that way, it's sort of like, I feel like it sort of like relieves them from a lot of corporate obligations. Okay. And maybe, maybe I, th I think it's a good thing because now the president can really focus on the park and not have to deal with the banks, the investors, the, all that stuff. So no, but it still has to deal with guests, with the hotels, with the parks, with, of course. I mean, but that's operation, and that's what Daniel's been doing for years. Like internal stuff, you mean? Like they can handle versus an external facing, like banks and shareholders. And... Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying he's not he's not going to be able to do it, but I don't know if, he's, if they're going to do it. If they're going to place him from, I would love that. I would. I mean, he's a Belgian, so let's go. I'm t I'm, I'm Team so, Daniel. In case you haven't. Noticed. So. <laughs> But I, I would I would not love that uh, Philip Gus comebacks. Uh, I, I I don't know I don't want that. It's it's just um, it's just a step backwards. Even if he does a great job, why? You know why? I mean, we... just, just move forward. We're moving forward with a new investment, with new direction, new magic, new everything. Just it's, it's... bring some new. You know. The only thing that we c cannot forget is that uh, and that that counts for Tom Wolber and, and Philip Gus as well. They had to do with, or they had to deal with a lot more problems than Catherine had. And they did not have the opportunities and the finance that there is at this time, especially for maintenance. And Philip Gus was there to keep the heads above the water. He wasn't there to, to bring nice and beautiful things. He had to keep that place from bankruptcy. He had to keep that place alive with yeah. the, the, the few things he had. So I'm not going to... And he was known for, for making the park cheap. Yeah, and, but I don't think he had another choice. And I'm not saying that it's going to be that different, but it's not that Shanghai has that cheap look or had that or has that dodgy style back in there. So I'm not saying he's he's that way, but he can do with with um, fewer lesser finance and then maybe he can do other things when he's in a position that he would come in. I'm... Definitely, maybe with all the money, he could maybe do great things. Who knows? I have the sense... But he's got a lot to prove if he's coming back, because I think everyone is pretty would be very fired up if he came back. Uh, I have the sense that if someone's put in a box like that, where they... Say, for example, you said that previous people running the company 
kind of didn't have the money to work with and were kind of very restricted. And in my mind, they were kind of put into like a box where they couldn't really go very far. I get the sense that has no, there's no backing to it and no research or anything, but I get this feeling that if you were that person and you were brought back to that same role, but this time things are different and there's like a ton of money you can spend, there's like a company governing it, like there's a whole new world out there of possibilities. I feel like you'd still inherently feel like you're inside this box and like, I feel like it would take a new mindset altogether and possibly well, it's, a whole it's, new it's different because he has, he has had the experience of Shanghai. Except and he has been now for for like a new park, though, right? I feel like yeah, but still he ha he has the the budget. But maybe it could be somebody totally different. Maybe it could be Daniela Ku. Who knows? Even nobody knows where Tom Walber came from. You're like, Poof, he's there. Like, who's that? To be guy? honest, no one knew where Catherine Powell came from. At least in the community. <laughs> no, but then then and parents see, were like, uh, who? <laughs> she did she did some great stuff, and I do think that Tom. Uh, did some great stuff as well, but Tom wasn't the guy who wanted to be seen and wanted to be there in public. So, I mean, the, 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 the fundamental stuff has been done by Tom. And then Catherine came along and she could build on that. But Tom oh, wasn't no, the guy... There's no denying that. I think it's uh, true. Yeah. Tom wasn't the guy who was, who was going to stroll in the park and then uh, put on the happy face to Why? meet fans. He was there to do business, and Why back though? in the days, back in the days, he was a CEO. He wasn't just a president. Things were different, and he needed to build on. He he knew where the Walt Disney Company was heading to, so he had to make all these He had to do all that fundamental stuff, and he had to pave the way for a new start, a new beginning. So he did that, but by doing all that crappy work you could not be at the same time being in the park popular and, and the role the role is different I no i agree know. i agree tom Wilbert was always brought in to lead project sparkle and renovate the parks and he did a great <coughs> great job with the money he had at the time uh but he was not yeah but but now now we've now we've gotten a taste of a popular of what's magic president. is like <laughs> we're gonna taste of the magic so um so it's gonna be tough if the next one is not the same but you know everyone has different personalities so i do i do think and and I, we talked about this before the, the episode started um popularity of a president of a disney park i think was at the highest point ever within a disney park within a disney resort here in paris with katrin and last year, when a few of us got the uh, amazing honor of meeting Tony Baxter, he said that when he came to Paris, he felt like a, a VIP, like a movie star, because he was asked for pictures, autographs, every step he, he went. And he said, I'm even more at ease when I walk to California or Orlando. Here I'm like that, that movie star status, and I'm not saying that if Catherine Powell would walk through the Magic Kingdom in Florida tomorrow, that she wouldn't be stopped for a picture. Europeans would be there, and they would know who Catherine is, and maybe one or two would recognize her and say, "Hey, can can we have a picture?" If she's going to do that today or tomorrow, this park is closed. 
tomorrow in the Disneyland Park here in Paris, she can she cannot come out without the security guys. She was always surrounded by the security, and people would, if she, if she wasn't surrounded by a ton of people to walk through, she had to stop every five feet to get a picture taken. But that's great, yeah. though. I don't. And I, I feel know, like that it's... would never happen at Disney World because Disney World has such a diverse guest base. But at at Disneyland, I think. Um, it would happen over there and they don't they, it doesn't really because maybe the personality of their president is not like Catherine but I think Disneyland Paris and Disneyland Resort are very similar in terms of guest profiles Disney World is a bit of a, a outside that realm because people come from all around the world and no one is really like there, there are locals of course Orlando and Florida but compared to the number of guests who come into the resort there, it's minimal. Uh, whether in Paris, you know, there's fifty percent uh, local in Paris. So no, but um, it, it is. It is. It, I do think it's a Europe thing, where they find that people are more accessible. I don't know. And she was great. So, um, is she going to be CEO of the Walt Disney Company? Because that's very. That's. Climbing very fast, right? I mean, next step is taking uh, uh, Bob Chapek's job, and mm-hmm. then uh, that's when Chapek then... becomes CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Do you think so? And then mm-hmm. it's her turn. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, everybody when you would ask somebody three years ago, they would have said that Tom Stacks would be the succeeder of Bob Iger, and where's Tom Stacks now? Somewhere on a beach. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and that's that's the Walt Disney Company. I think that's that's within a lot of companies that things can change really fast. And I don't think it's over yet for Catherine. She has a beautiful future ahead, but and I don't know. I don't and know. I love things that, can change you know, she's, so much. I love that she did this time in Paris, and that no matter where <laughs> her career takes us, bless you, Michael. Thank you. Um, she will always be our president. You know? Yeah, I mean, and, and I love that. You know, if she becomes the head of Disney Parks, if she becomes CEO of the Walt Disney Company, she will always be Catherine. You know, from Disneyland Paris. So, well, who, I mean, at least to us, at least to yeah. us. So that's good. that's that's the number two because who remembers uh, Jay Rusulo? The name. The name rings a bell. It rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> he was two years uh, CEO of Disneyland Paris. Now he's one of the advisors uh, of Bob Iger. Has a long history within um, Disney parks and resorts. That guy still takes his five million dollars a year advising Bob Iger. He has seen a lot of things within the company, and he was once. Disneyland Paris CEO. So maybe the same thing is going to happen for Catherine. Maybe. By the way, just just a, a quick thing, you know, after Catherine, within the 26 years of Disneyland Paris, we would be at CEO or president number 10. Wow. Mm. That's well, there you go. crazy, right? Now that's job hopping. Yeah. Well, you know, we're... We're the international cousin. We're a stepping stone. We've been in trouble. It's hard to yeah, keep. To, yeah, it's hard to, to keep be fair. CEO, you know? like, Until now, uh, I don't think it's been the most uh, yeah. promising place to 
So if the next one is supposed to take us through the entire expansion plan, then there's a chance that we'd have a CEO until 2025. I really, really, really hope that they're not uh, that is like super seven corporate -y. years. Can I count? Seven mm -hmm. years. Seven. Yeah. So let's see. Let's see if they can last. But um, so good luck to Catherine. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll find out more about who's going to replace her and when she's leaving. And um, hopefully we'll see her again in the parks uh, before the end um, of her tenure here at Disneyland Paris. One thing is for sure. If Philippe, Ga Philippe Gus is coming back, I'm sure Ben is not going to ask, excuse me, where did you get that scarf? Because mm, 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 you look exactly. good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss that scarf. Catherine, if you're listening, can I have your scarf before you leave? <laughs> Oh, I have a genuine question about the fashion stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have this potentially unfounded uh, memory that the previous people in charge, when they were visible to the public, would be in very formal attire, like suits, all-out formal office wear. Mm -hmm. Whereas Catherine wasn't, but in my mind... So I naively think, oh, Catherine's just wearing everyday clothes she just looks a bit smart and jazzed up like she's going out for somewhere like somewhere nice uh but I think, is that just would you say like her version of formal wear or would you say do you know what i mean like is that well, just a different version of a suit and i'm just well i think first of all she wears yves Saint Laurent, and you know that stuff is not cheap <laughs> no i don't i don't mean that at all i but, just mean the actual uh, like what it is like what kind of i think clothing. it's it's a big difference uh and i'm I, not to get into the whole discussion, but all the previous CEOs, presidents were all men. Yeah. And I think it's just, uh, Catherine Powell can, can look very formal, very, very chic, like she did on the 25th anniversary with just that black dress and that white 25th anniversary t-shirt that costed a hundred euros. But anyways, with that t-shirt and that little blazer on it, she looked magnificent can you imagine a male ceo like in oh, a costume and with a t-shirt under it with, with i want a jacket, them to be approachable but i know what you mean like i, I don't <coughs> want to see them in suits because it's like in my mind it's it's like the anti disney uh, when i see I someone know, in a suit if, but like you're saying yeah that, that makes sense it wouldn't look great right now talking about men and women i have a theory uh, Catherine's been all about women in the workforce, women equality. Uh, she threw an amazing Women's Day. Um, what if part of the deal for her taking the higher job was that a woman replaces her and we'll get another woman? I feel like that would be very her to do. So maybe Gas, Delcor, maybe they're all out. Maybe we should look for a woman. I think that in a position like this, and that's that kind of that's for everything, and that doesn't matter, man, woman, somewhere in between, they have to find the person who's most fitted for that job, and it shouldn't depend on with whether you're a woman or a man, or a man wants to be a woman, or a woman wants to be a man. You should be great in what you do. And you cannot say, well, I want it to be a woman. Because if there's going to be a man who's better for the job, 
then he should get it. You could not say it has to be a man because if there's a woman better for the job, she should get it. So, right. I, But hopefully women get the same opportunity as men for this job. As well. I do think so. I do think so. so. But I hope it's... We, there are a few women who, I, who are questionable within the whole Disneyland Paris group. Also a few men. So let's not get into that discussion. But Is this yeah. a bad place to go if I ask you what do you mean by that? Because I'm genuinely unsure of what you mean. You, or is that a topic um, for another day? I don't know. She, she's, um, I think she can be a very a good businesswoman. I don't know her name. She did uh, marketing and, and uh, PR. The, the Italian lady, blonde, dresses quite good. She, she spoke on the Run Disney event. And I was like, yeah, I hope you do a great job in your office. And I think she is because you're never going to stay at that seat so long. But the way she talked to the people, the way she, yeah, made it questionable. So I, let's hope it's not somebody like that. Let's hope it's somebody like Catherine or at least could, could continue that same vibe. Yeah. All right. So good luck to Catherine. Don't forget us. <laughs> uh, should we take a break? Okay. Okay, so we'll be right back, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the two upcoming seasons uh, very quickly, the uh, Princess and Pirates Festival. Why do I still calling that? The Pirates and Princess. <laughs> Wait, the Festival of Pirate and Princesses, the things you have to do so that you have Pee-pee. the same logo in English and in French is just Pee-pee. incredible. And That's Marvel Summer. Pee-pee. PP. We're not. We PP. last. You know, last month we talked about ass. This time we're not going to talk about PP. I'm sorry, Axel. <laughs> All right. So our next topic this week is the Festival of Pirates and Princesses, which I got right this time. <laughs> it is not called PP. It can be called PNP, but that's something else. Um, so <laughs> the season starts on March 31st. Um, and um, we got the honor to be invited at the Opéra Garnier uh, for the launch party. That um, a very uh, unusual event because Disneyland Paris doesn't normally uh, do events in Paris. I guess maybe that's the new influence of Cathy Piano, who's the new communication manager, uh, communication director. Sorry if I got your title wrong, Cathy. And uh, they did actually the same for Marvel with a showroom at uh, Palais Tokyo in Paris. So events in Paris uh, seems to be the thing. And it was beautiful. Uh, I personally, I'm I'm just going to come out and say I am very excited for Pirates and Princesses. It's colorful, it's camp, and it's much easier to sell then swing into spring which really doesn't really tell you what it is pirates princesses you know what it is and i think it works much better marketing wise and it's set out to be a very fun season uh with some great music by scott erickson uh what do you guys think of uh what you've seen so far the costumes so there's been a few there's been a few complaints two things costumes and merch uh the costumes are a bit bright and uh, I don't know, Axel. What are they? 
And, and too no. bright. No, and I too mean, bright. I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of, of Swing into Spring. So, the thing with Swing into Spring is that, you know, in pure Paris tradition, it was very, like, lyrical and pretty and classic, you know? And I think Disney parks are going more in the Asia direction when it's more jumping around, colorful, campy style. You know, we had the spring train two years ago, and that was the hit of the season. You know, the whole, like, Goofy's Garden Party, that was cute, everyone loved it. But the spring train, that's where the party was. So I think for this yeah, season, they're really going for like... That party was nice. That was a fun yeah. moment of the day. I mean... Yeah, but I mean, it was a bit snooze fest. I don't know. I, I loved when they did like the, the, the whole dancing thing on Central Plaza and hop around and it was like, hop, hop, hop. Uh-huh. That thing. That was okay, nice. So hop, okay, so hop, 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 that was the spring train. <laughs> Oh, but I mean, everybody danced, and you had those dancers that came in the. I, I liked that season. That was a good season. I liked those Easter eggs, although they were not hidden. But I liked those. We had to wait so long for them, and now we don't see them anymore. But why? Why? Oh why did they bring back all the topiaries, which are very pretty, but have nothing to do with <laughs> pirates or but princesses? But not the eggs. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, and also the eggs could have been relocated to all the lands. Like, you know, Woody, in front, were you, they were already in all the lands. A bunch of them yeah. went to Discoveryland, Fantasyland, Adventureland, Frontierland. And you could have put them like three, But you could have, them have <laughs> You could have a scavenger hunt like they have in Epcot. You could right. do like, find all the eggs and give us your money. We'll give you <laughs> a, a, a map and, and a pin afterwards. But first, give us money. And people will actually give money. Because like you get a do... prize. Yeah, really, but... you're, just, you're just buying merchandise, but you but have to go challenge. around the park to get it. You have to work for it. <laughs> yeah, but on the other hand, they do it for That's each genius. and every festival in Epcot. And now they already have two different scavenger hunts in, in Epcot for the uh, Flower and Garden. I mean, why I totally not? Why, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't they do that? It's, it's easy money. So uh, let's go on with it. And, and I mean, so the dec- better that yeah, than the yeah. lamppost as a pirate. Just come on. Who What's his name up? again? Lampy I forgot Mac- his name. Post, Lampadu- I so. no. No, no, I'll check. Lambosa. Oh, Let me see what the consensus is. No, Lambosa. Lamppost. No, Pete. It was Patchy McLamppost. Patchy, Patchy Mac- 27% of the vote, which is yeah. very close to the others. Lambosa. Very close race. They were very equal, which I found very surprising yeah. given that you can't see what people have voted for on Twitter until you vote yourself. Yeah, that's really That was kind of, yeah, yeah, unusual. Mm. Well, um, so they, they pulled out a bunch of decoration from Swing into Spring, some of the topiaries. Uh, they're very pretty. Um, it's a bit odd to see them out because it doesn't have anything to do with the season, really. It's, it's spring. So, I personally, personally, I, I would have opted for the eggs and maybe just Tinkerbell because Tinkerbell's kind of like her own thing over there by the castle. Um, if... But you know what? The, uh, the Aristocats, Topiaries, everyone loves, loves them. Probably like uh, the biggest on... hits of the past few days. On the so... other hand... They are placed now where the 
X used to be in really an obvious place. Like here you have the main X. There, there are five in a row. Go and see them. So that wasn't anything special. So I do think that that's a good place for them. I absolutely love the scenes, like the the, the stages that they made. Oh, on. the stages, yeah. I yeah. mean, those are the same style as the walkway to the castle. It, it's the complete same style. I love that, mainly because it took away all the crappy blue and silver flowers from the 25th anniversary. <laughs> so that would be the main reason that I love that. On the other hand, what I do not understand, and I do not understand until this moment, they put the topiaries back in town square. They put even a few penguins back on that gazebo, and still, that gazebo looks like a Earl of Sandwich sandwich. Get that silver wrapping oh. off <laughs> and just get that. It looks that... like a burrito. It's... It's ugly, and let's all agree. Maybe we should call it Gazito. Can we all get souvenir or burrito? I mean, so we know the gazebo they, is ready. When they removed <laughs> what? But when they removed the the figures on Central Plaza, I would have thought that Town Square would be up next. Well, my guess is that the stages are going away in June. And the statues are coming back until September. That's my guess. The statues, they're just backstage, chilling. Yeah, like everything is backstage, like with, with the axe and the ghosts and the pumpkin men and everything is back there. Do you remember, side note, real side note, do you remember seeing the advert for Disneyland Resort when they were <clears throat> advertising the return of the Main Street Electrical Parade? with the Nostalgia Fest advert of going through this warehouse with all of this mm -hmm. stuff, like from No Tour Past. When you were describing things, I totally imagined like this Disneyland Paris warehouse that's <laughs> just stock full of like little things that get placed around the floor that don't move and there's nothing like crazy interactive about them, but like, here's an egg, here's a ghost, <laughs> here's that's a little so, thing with topiaries. That's so well, nice. half of it is outside. Yeah, well, that's so nice with but... Michael. He thinks that it's inside. No, it's outside <laughs> in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I suspected as much up when I heard by that nature. the dune buggies are outside. I was like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. God. God. Um, right, so decorations, it is what it is. You know, they're crowd pleasers, and it took them out. So I don't think we can fault them for that. The consistency is not there, but at least there is something. And there's something that is not blue. So that's know, that. But that gazebo come. That, you know, maybe we should start a campaign. So that gazebo, which is really, you know, what's really funny is that uh, there were there were rumored to be building a new one off-site. And remember they removed the roof for the longest time? It was behind, before the 25th anniversary, it was behind walls and they had removed the roof. Yeah. And then the roof just came back one day. Don't know. Wait, well, so, could this be getting ready for the 25th thing with the light going through it and stuff? I don't think so. Does that still work, by the way? I, probably. The, like, shooting star through the silver. Oh, probably. I don't know. Okay. I try not to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it hurts my eyes. Uh, Can somebody tweet to at Kapow14, please get rid of the gazebo. <laughs> no, we don't. That's it. After today, we don't tweet Catherine anymore. Uh... <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's a mystery. Uh, I, I, we thought that maybe they didn't. It wasn't ready in time for the anniversary, so they put it back, so that it was there for the celebration. Uh, but maybe now it's just gonna be there until the end of the anniversary. Maybe we'll get a new one in the fall. I don't know. Um, to be continued. Uh, Show-wise, though, uh, love Betty Rose. Love, um, uh, what's his name? It's not Jimmy Ocean. I always get it wrong. Jimmy the Pirate? Is it Jimmy Ocean? Is it Billy Ocean? Jimmy Ocean. Billy Ocean. Ocean. Billy? Is it Billy? No, that's the singer. <laughs> that's the singer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, uh, love Betty Rose. And um, I like this whole uh, idea for the show. It sounds like a lot of logistics. So good luck to Guest Flow and to the performers. I'm sure they'll do a great job. But it's going to be a lot. So good. Ambitious. Um, so, uh, yep, uh, Pirates and uh, Princess starts at the end of the month, and uh, so we'll talk about it on the next podcast. Um, what has started already is the merchandise, and oh my god, why? Hmm. So there's pink, there's pink for the girls, and there's blue for the boys, or gray for the boys. Uh, so if you're a girl and you want to be a pirate, you're out of luck, even though Minnie's a pirate, but I guess she's special. Um, and if you're a boy and uh, you like princesses, well, then you'll sort of luck. But um, I think it was a good opportunity to do something creative, and clearly merchandising didn't talk to entertainment. But it's uh, yeah. not like it's not crazy bad, right? Because I mean, the only thing that seems like there's an issue is the cut of the t-shirts. Like pink seemed fine, saying Team Princess, whatever. I can I can sport a pink Team Princess. Uh, t-shirt right. it's just you the can cut. and you and you well, have yeah, yeah. <laughs> not their merchandise but yes um but their arms are like cut super super short so people would see my little uh, armpits which i don't really want to happen so i don't feel like i can buy that t-shirt female cut no. you mean yeah, yeah. which yeah. already seems odd because yeah. i'm like do they not i don't know why is there even a different mm -hmm different discussion right <laughs> no but it's and also it's... i mean I, there is there's there, you know uh, their visuals their you know uh, online visuals for the festivals did great we had a tweet that did over a thousand retweets just on that visual with cinderella taking off her glove and just you know the castle and everything and michael is showing <laughs> right uh great visual did great all around the world Great, and then you come out with the t-shirts. Just put that visual on the t-shirts. Just you know, rework it so it works for a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they have some cool t-shirts. You know, the white ones with the black quote on it. Official Disneyland t-shirts, white, black oh. quote, a but princess that's only quote. For the, that that's was the only competition. For the oh yeah, you can only win those. Oh. Thank God. That was not the official merchandise. This would be a whole you, different ballgame if those were the why would Why would you do that? Why would you say, here's a cool t-shirt. You know what? You can win it. Oh, but I didn't win. Can I still buy it? Because here's my money. And Disneyland Paris said, what money? Ooh, no, no money for us. Like, we just got two billion. <laughs> Screw your money. Why? Axel, I agree. And on the flip side, if you're going to do a competition for something exclusive or even no even if you're going to do a competition why do it with such a lame what well, hmm, okay it's subjective but why do it with such a simple white and black t-shirt why not just actually use the real merchandise and be like you could win this it's really cool yes well, it was in line with this whole like spirit jersey thing 
Which I don't understand. I'm too old, I guess. I, I can kind of get this just I think, phrase, right? No, d- uh, Michael is right. And I think somebody listened to you. And then Disneyland Paris said, well, we have this new season, PP. <laughs> and even if that's not enough, we are going to create a new mini season within that original season to give out prizes. That's even better. And we're going to communicate it last minute. So all the people (laughs) who come from all around the world will not be able to plan their visit to win actually cool stuff that is worth mentioning. And we're going to do it within a season that is still new. You're talking about the very, very magical days. Um, Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think the very, very magical day should have been communicated maybe in December or January when people book the trips for April. Mm. Uh, but no, no, it's communicated on... Uh, Michael uh, still doesn't know what we're talking about. And Michael no, is not. It's okay. I don't yeah. have a clue. Uh, I was referring Paris to a competition is, online. Is holding a, a daily in-park giveaway for really cool prizes like meeting the whole parade crew or having a VIP dinner watching Illumination or uh, all sorts dinner of things. Walls, cool. uh, How dinner at Walt's. Dinner at you have to be in the park and you have to talk to the Facebook Messenger bot for the contest. Exactly. Michael is Michael is a computer genius and you should see his face. It's it's the latest in technology, the thing that every young kid uses, Facebook Messenger. Uh, well, <laughs> bot. I mean, so which and means you talk to the bot and that's how you enter and then you could win a great prize yeah. that day. If you cannot talk to the bot, you can find another bot, just tweet Bob Chapek. Did you? How long? How long were you sitting on how that one? That is this why? Is this why you're talking about this? So you can say but It's just a really, really, really long run up. No, but I mean, I was, I was dis. I'm not disappointed. I mean, I can step in my car, drive to Disneyland Paris, and in three hours, I'm there. So I am going to play every time I'm in the park in April. And I'm in the park quite a few days. Yeah, but on the other hand, you have all the people living around there and they're going to go every day and they're going to, well, why not? We can, we can always try and we're going to go and we're going to try. If not, then not. I think it's a bit of a shame that people who come with their family and actually say like, ooh, that's something that we, we would actually come for. But now it's like too late. It's... Yeah. Why? I mean, would people come for it? I, I, and, and, and why in this season? Maybe not for it, but it's, a, it's good to know. In and it might, it might swing some, some consumer decision. I think it's made mostly for the locals, to be honest. It's mostly made for people in Paris, people in the other park, maybe even people in Belgium. I don't think it's for people who are coming from far away and who need to plan trains or planes. It's for people who can drive and who, can, who are just going to say, hey, Let's go for the weekend. Maybe yeah. we'll win some prizes. Yeah, like people, like little children going with their grandparents on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> oh, please, right. mommy, mommy, send it through Facebook Messenger. And then she pulls out her flip phone and says, to what? Or she pulls out her iPhone X, but searches for network forever and it never connects <laughs> because there is no network at Disneyland Paris. Ooh, snap. And then we all go to the Disneyland hotel where they don't want uh, other guests than hotel residents because we could take a picture with Cinderella. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
Yeah, that well. is an issue. And you know what? We're just going to put it out there very quickly. But there has been, there has been an increase in security at a Disneyland hotel who doesn't really want the fans to come and meet the characters. And I don't think that we drive a lot of traffic or that there's there are that many fans who come in. I think it's definitely important for all the fans to remember that this is a hotel and they have to be respectful and discreet and not hang around for hours and hours. You, you come in, you see a, a character and you go, or you go and buy a coffee or something. I think definitely some fans hang around too long. But on the other hand, I don't think it's right to, you know, say, oh, no, you can't come in a Disneyland hotel because you're not a guest. Because it's, that's like, you know, you open door to a lot of things. And um, It doesn't so, happen in any other hotel. I can walk uh, on the Walt Disney World grounds and I can go and visit the hotel that I want. Not if you pay for it. parking. <laughs> well, no, I just take the money. Oh, no. If you're a guest around. coming for dinner. Oh, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, fine. And if you're staying there, they'll charge you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, well, I'm DVC. It's, it's unclear. Oh, he's DVC. Of course he is. Well, hang on. Has that... Oh, hey, I have DVC a question. Have... Can no, I go pay. into your DVC? Because I have not been invited to your DVC. <laughs> just what? putting it out there on the air with... Millions of people is. But of course, you're more than welcome. I will not share the dates, but we will do that afterwards. Deal. Uh, so how is that? The there second... was nothing exchanged. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll deal with it after when I finish my wine. Uh... Um, oh, so then, just as a quick yeah. uh, before we kind of move on, I guess in terms of Facebook Messenger, um, there's at least <laughs> uh, uh, I'm giggling because. Both Ben and Axel just took a big old sip and they just look like the same person in duplicate on my screen. <laughs> what uh, are you drinking, Axel? Water. Oh. <laughs> and Me you, too. Ben, what are you drinking? Water. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, the biblical sense. Um, in Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World, when I was there, the the My Disney Experience app knew I was in the park and it gave me a like an opportunity to go separately into the Facebook Messenger app and chat to this like faux character they'd invented who was like a young professory type person like a lady who was like doing investigations on like animal welfare type thing this is just a vague memory of what it was but the idea was that as you went around the park you would help her with her like research by you researching things uh, so Disney's definitely done this before with Facebook. Well, it's probably completely separate, but I'm just Are saying. Are you sure that wasn't Bob Chapek? <laughs> I'm at least four, four, five percent sure that it wasn't uh, Bob okay. Chapek. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was just I, what I wanted to. Mention. I mean, I'm not going to be able to <clears throat> talk about this contest now without saying. I, I'm that not... you have to you have to chat with bot bot win. you can chat with bot chapek i'm giggling at the concept of this not the person because i don't even really know much about bob chapek just conceptually the oh. idea of it makes me giggle bobby if you're listening we'll love you <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. We love you, bot. Bob, oh, please. <laughs> oh, gosh. He's not a bot. If um. you uh, go on this Facebook Messenger thing when you're not in the parks, what happens? 
I'm not exactly sure. Can Facebook Messenger pick application? Probably. Probably. I just didn't think they could hook that into a chat with a bot, but who knows? Maybe you have to click send my location to the bots to get your entry validated I, or something. Yeah, I think they they want it uh, absolutely to be people who are inside the parks. So even if you would live five miles from there and you live down the road and you say, okay, I'm going to try and try and try. If I win, I just walk up. You have to be in the park and your ticket or your annual pass has to be validated for that right. day. As in someone will manually check, I imagine, because I doubt they've managed once, to. Like... I think once you win, you, your ticket has to yeah. be validated for that day. For example, I mean, it can barely validate you at the gate, so... Right, I mean, that, that was my logic. You could, you could walk up to the Disneyland Hotel and say, okay, I'm in the park. You could stay. You still have a little space, uh, but you, your ticket should be validated. So for the annual passes, as you say, everybody living around, if you have a restriction day or if you have a discovery pass or, and you're not allowed, you you have a blockout date, you could not enter the contest. You have to be visiting. You have to be visiting the park. Like MaxPass, which I found out is not based on location, seemingly. It's just when you first scan for the day to go into a park. You can then leave, enjoy your day, and make MaxPass reservations. (laughs) But, I mean, it makes sense because you've already shown up at the park, so you've you've done your duty, I think. It's fine. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's, it's great that they're using Facebook Messenger, but I really wish Disneyland Paris would have an iPhone app they should really create one. Oh, wait, they do. And it pick up location. I see what you did there, Ben, and I agree with you. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the, the Spider-Man reservations and all those things. Like, why don't you just build it in the app? Or yeah. why not uh, put it on the time schedule and let it fill in? You know, the time tables they give you, just little programs. Just on the other side, just name. And... You mean with a pen? Oh, with a, of course with a pen, but then everybody's equal and everybody can try. I mean, not everybody has Facebook Messenger. Michael, what are you showing us? So I was going to show you that it, I doubt that that kind of thing would get integrated in the app because they have yet to update the app to even fill the screen of an iPhone 10 that came out last year. Oh. So, like... But they did in the US, right? The My Experience app? Yeah, although that took a while too, because I think a few weeks ago it wasn't updated, and then suddenly it was, like, the right size. Yeah, there we go. Walt Disney World is there. And they added yeah. uh, fireworks to Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Splash View, which we don't have here. Mm. But I just mean, like, it's unfortunate that this app looks the same, but it's totally neglected so far compared to the other ones, which is really sad. Yeah. Catherine is going to change that. Can somebody tweet her? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I bought tickets for Disney World recently, and I linked them to my experience app. So so the app is back on my phone, and you know, I opened it. I was like, whoa, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yep, yeah, 105 minutes. If you're, that's, cool. uh, that's not bad for uh, that's not Light bad. of Passage. That's not bad in a Pandora. Uh, okay, yeah. what are we even talking about? Let's go back to what are, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, if you're on the train, you're in for a long podcast. I hope you have a long commute. Because <laughs> coming up, we also have an interview with the Mainsfit Quartet. Yay! Um, so we're going to cover Marvel very quickly. New 
new things uh, came out this week. So we we uh, went to the Marvel showroom on Tuesday during the day. Um, we had a we had an, a media embargo, which was not respected by some of the cast members of Disney and Paris that were there. And uh, at night, when the embargo went out, uh, we got the surprise not only to release all our news about the season, um, but uh, also learn that we had new posters, one for Paris, one for California, and one for Hong Kong. Uh, Marvel Lands, just, uh, you know, Disney Parks is treating Everyone, you get a Marvel Land. You get a Marvel Land. Look on your seat. You get a Marvel, Marvel Land. Land. <laughs> you all get a Marvel Land, except you, Disney World, because you've been naughty. And um, yeah, so we already knew we were getting a Marvel Land. So in Paris, it wasn't really that much of a big splash. But I guess for for Anaheim, it's confirmation of something that was brewing for the longest time. Goodbye, goodbye, Bugs Land. Um, and. Um, um, Axel, are we, should we talk about Tower Terror? You know, last time we talked about the fact that they were re renovating Tower Terror because they got the entrance <clears throat> money. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, people, I'm, I'm one of the, the believers that uh, the Tower of Terror isn't going to stay in Disneyland Paris. And everybody has been crapping on me because they say, well, you see the concept art, it's still there. And you should, you're wrong and, and uh, boo, we hate you, shave your beard and all that. But Did someone actually say shave your beard? Not yet. <laughs> yes, that was my wife. Uh, <laughs> now, there I is, have seen there a is picture a, of you without your beard. <clears throat> there is a reason why the tower is still on there. The whole uh, thing with the insurance, because the tower actually looks very crappy and not only because it's styled that way and it should be... It's got a hair net on. <clears throat> yeah. Well, <laughs> that insurance money, uh, the Walt Disney Company had plans to turn it into uh, Gardens of the Galaxy. So they said, well, you know, <clears throat> we want to change that ride. We, we're, we have the money. The insurance is going to pay us the money and we are going to do our works on the tower to make it Gardens of the Galaxy. Well, and then the lawyers came in and were like, uh-uh. <laughs> well, the lawyers uh, of the insurance company came and they said, well, no way, because uh, they are paying for the scaffolding, they are paying for the works, and they said, well, it's like you have a, a car accident. You could drive your car into a wall and we are gonna replace and rebuild your car like it was original, we're not going to do any tuning on it and we're not going to make those wheels change. You're going to have the same car as you left with. Which makes sense. I think it's quite standard in insurance industry where you have something broken, they replace it with the same thing. It's like if you break your iPhone <clears throat> 7, they're not going to give you an iPhone 10. Yeah. So that's why mm. the tower is still on there. Well, that's different for Apple, Michael. No, well, I was just thinking that like, if it's down to money... <clears throat> Like with a car, it's different because I mean, you could crash your car, I guess, technically, and then be like, you cannot oh, use man. the funds for anything else. Yeah, which I you find need to... odd because I'm like, well, the funds ultimately won't change if you just if the insurance company works out how much it would have cost to do it. What does it matter yeah, what they do with it? It's not like they no, because the that's contract. not the that's not the contract. No. That's not the contract. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, like, the contract okay. is return to original. Yeah. I just mean why though, because I mean it's not like Disney can choose for the concrete to fall off the building. Like it's not like. No, but on the other hand, can the, they? The contracts. 
the contract says, well, we are going to replace it like it was. Sure. And so you have to imagine they have to still build the whole scaffolding. They have to do the reparations and then they're going to most likely tear down the scaffolding to then a few months, year later, pull it back up to make it something else. But it's going to be something else. And all those tower lovers, they can be happy. But let's face it, the party of March 30th was a Tower of Terror goodbye and not a 10th anniversary. They had to change plans because they yeah. wanted to do something else with that tower. Just That is pretty clear that they have changed plans. Wake up and smell the coffee. Uh, that 10th anniversary Infinity night was just to say bye-bye tower and now it's a 10th anniversary party which i still will attend but <laughs> I mean, are you gonna it's... be wearing some 1930s costume of course yay that's gonna be fun yeah i know oh i really want to go i just can't justify the upgrade <laughs> so the other thing that we <laughs> have learned on tuesday is more information and visuals about the new show that is going to start on june 8th or 10, we're not really sure. Um, it sounds great. Uh, 1,000 square meters of projection, 30 projectors, inside drones. I'm very excited for these. Mm. Inside drones. Yeah, like, even ED92 does drone work now. They're so I, cool. I, do, I know. Well, I village not sure, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, uh, pyro, uh, jumps, flying. I mean, really, moving sets, everything. Uh, the only thing is, uh, this show is not expected to stay after the end of the season. So if you want to see it, come this summer. Because uh, it sounds like it's not going to stick around. It might be back for season two next year. But uh, I don't think it will be a permanent show. Or at least as not as permanent as Mickey and the Magician. That's what's being said. Oh, Ben, we'll see. where is that show? Or where can we and see that show? At the studio theater. Oh, the studio theater. Oh, Is that, yeah. Was that once called uh, Cine Magique? No, it was not. It was always called Cine Magique at the studio theater. Really? Yeah. If you look at the Cine Magique sign right above it, it's always said studio theater since 2002. Ooh. Even Michael is like, whoa. I am Come on, you shocked. guys knew this. No, all it's I can just see that, in my head is It's just the that Cine now Magique. Studio Theater is taking me more of a center stage. It was always called, the attraction was called Cine Magique. But on the building, it always said right above it. You can Google the, the image. Michael is Googling the image. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Uh, and uh, it says Studio Theater above it. It's never been very broadly advertised. And now obviously there's the, the new logo and it's a bit more, you know, clear. Because Studio Theater is not going to be the Marvel Theater. Studio Theater is going to be a multi. It's on the side, Michael. Oh. It's. <laughs> no, you can. Yeah, you can see it. Studio Theater. It's. It's right there. How? It would have been yeah. cooler if it was. Cinemagique Theater, I guess. No way. Yeah, I mean, you know. Oh my gosh! All... You're so right. How did I never notice that? <laughs> so it was there Studio before theater. your eyes. Uh, <laughs> that's really the best thing you've said recently i love that <laughs> i think we're looking at the same picture no we're not i just that that just rang a bell in my mind and i know exactly what it's to do with yay uh so excited for the show um 
something that you know if you've made it into this podcast which is already uh an hour and 15 minutes in um you might be um deserving to know that uh i think uh, a production courtyard is gonna have very interesting decoration namely huge concrete stands with huge um superhero statues we're talking several stories high very big think uh think of the gargoyles uh, when uh hunchback came out uh big structures that's what yeah. apparently they're uh, you're gonna be able to on. see them every run you do all the years after uh you mean they're gonna stick around forever well they, uh, they, they kept maybe. the gargoyles they're still back there yeah, they are. They're on the yeah. runabouts. So um, apparently that's too. what they're working on. Rumors. So, you know, uh, that was the plan. Don't know if they're still going to do that. Uh, but apparently that's what they're aiming for. Yeah. So, so and uh, yeah, Season of the Forest ends. So go and check it out. Yeah. Oh, somebody cared? Sorry. No, not somebody oh. cared. <laughs> so, so. Well, now that we're getting Galaxy's Edge, it was like, Season of who? Uh, <laughs> no, no. It's good season. It's good season. Come on. Uh, so, um, you know, I, we're not going to sum up all the scandals. You need a Marvel package if you want to meet Spider-Man and all the other characters. You can only meet Captain America if you don't have a package. Um, and Axel bought his package. He's very proud of it. He's making a little dance. Good job. Yeah. Right. No, I'm actually crying to, uh, because of the money I spent. That's, that's a, that's it's a, a bit ridiculous. Thing. But hey, you know. It's, well, uh, it depends on the hotel you, know, you choose. And don't forget, you get a 60 euro gift card. And you have a. To a spend dinner. on wonderful Disneyland Paris merchandise. But, or, or food. I food. mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Or food. food. And you have Waltz. a dinner at the <laughs> Parkside Dinner, which is a buffet restaurant, which will set you down normally 45 euros. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, I mean, yeah. fair, fine. You know, it, we've we've talked about this last time. Uh, you know, it seems to the characters at this dinner seems to have been paid by the hotel group, uh, and they want to get their money back, and they're making people stay at the hotel. So, fair. I think it's fair game. Um, well, what else do we have to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we have a, a new night radio show on the ED92 we do. radio. We do. Let's talk about music. So if you don't know about ED92 radio, you can find the link on the Twitter profile. And we should put it in the podcast uh, description as well. Uh, it's on 24-7 and it's all the music of this in Paris. And we have a great morning show with all sorts of uh, parades and shows. And it's really energetic. It will wake you up, make you happy. Uh, and all day we play all the soundtracks of all the different lands and areas and restaurants and everything. Shows, parades. Uh, but at nights we have a new show. It's called ED92 Radio Nights. And can you say it, Michael? ED92 Radio Nights. <laughs> Is my like and Michael from the cold version. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Michael was kind enough to do the jingle, so uh, it started tonight. Tonight is Thursday. Uh, it's from uh, 9 p.m. to midnight UK, uh, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. if you're in mainland Europe. Uh, so check it out. It's uh, down tempo. We selected all the very chilled out, relaxing Disney parks music. Uh, all the uh, so you'll uh, you'll be nice and relaxed before you go to bed. So uh, check to it out. To listen with a glass of wine. Yeah. Some red wine. 
This is well, why you, you might you should have done that. This is why I did not ask <laughs> Axel to do the jingles. <laughs> I knew it would turn out that way. I like that was yeah, that was good. Uh but uh, Elisa, who's Quinn Ursula on Twitter, um, she has an amazing voice, and she's working on the morning jingles, so uh, we'll see what she comes up with. Uh, so check it out. And talking about music, um, we're going to end the show with a very special tweet for everyone. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went out to uh, what I'm going to call the Main Street Quartet House uh, to meet with the guys of the original Main Street Quartet. On uh, Flower so, Street. And they, uh, on Flower Street, yeah. <laughs> they live on Flower Street, sure. Uh, and uh, there, uh, Steve uh, of the court was very uh, kind and uh, uh, welcomed me uh, in his house, um, as well as his uh, wife also made us sandwiches and soup, and it was great. Uh, oh. And uh, we recorded uh, some jingles for the radio, we recorded some songs, and we recorded a little interview time. So this is the time to share with you. Uh, you get to learn a little bit more about how they started and anecdotes and um, how you could make a phone call to turn off the music on Main Street. Um, so uh, check it out. Uh, it's going to play right now. All right. So I am here with the original Main Street Quartet. Thank you guys very much for having me over today. Mm -hmm. uh, we are, uh, we've been, uh, well, we've been, they have been singing, I've been listening, <laughs> and uh, working on a few uh, fun little projects that you'll, you'll hear very soon. Um, so thank you guys. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourselves. Well, thanks for coming to see us, Ben. Um, so I am Steve, uh, I sing tenor with the Main Street Quartet. I'm Martin, I'm the lead with Main Street Quartet. I'm Paul, and I sing the bass. Et bonjour tout le monde, je suis John le baritone. All right, and so you guys were at uh, Euro Disney when it opened in 1992. Mm -hmm. but, um, how did it all happen? Wow. Um, how did they find you? Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who found you? I, I should explain to start off with, so we are the, the final lineup of the Main Street Quartet. So we are the lineup that was singing in the park in January 1995 before the quartet basically got cut from, from Euro Disney. Okay. So, um, we just wanted to get that out of the way. But we, um, our baritone, our original baritone singer, worked in London, and he got a copy of the Evening Standard on his way home, as he did every day, and in the Evening Standard, Disney were advertising for Atmosphere Talent, for the soon-to-open Euro Disney, and especially a barbershop quartet. Mm -hmm. uh, we answered the, the call. Yeah, and an audition at Pineapple Studios in London. That's right. And yeah. the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So and and then the, so they 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 contacted you and just did you move to Paris for it? We did. Just we left yeah. left everything behind and moved to Paris yeah, to be the barbershop quartets. Rented a, a house out in the countryside together. And we, we all had jobs. I was just starting out in, in work. I was only 19 years old. Um, the, the other three guys had regular jobs, one had a business, and we, we, we packed it all up and, and, and moved out. We did, lock, stock and barrel. And uh, it was the greatest adventure I've ever had. It was the best three years of my life so far. And uh, every time we meet and sing, uh, we relive the magic that we experienced at Euro Disney Paris. It was just fantastic. Can imagine it's something that we still see in the American parks, and I think it's sorely missing from from Paris. I um, agree. How 
Um, how did you uh, train, rehearse? Uh, did you have someone from the US who came and uh, briefed you or did you all do it on your own? Um, yeah, no, we didn't have external coaching. Uh, we'd been together for two years um, before and we'd sung a lot already. We were very successful in the UK competition. We, we'd reached the top of, of the UK competition. Um, we were hoping to win that that year. Um, so we had a lot behind us. Um, we did have one of our coaches come from the UK just to work with us a little bit after we landed there. But we really landed with our repertoire, started to sing our repertoire, and then from there we, we added Disney songs mm. um, from that. We had about 40 songs on rotation um, while we were singing on the car. So Disney didn't, didn't give you a list of songs? Or, or any new... No, no it's all left, left up to us, and, and it was quite... Um, a learning experience because when we when we first got there, we we'd sing during the day and we'd go home to our house together and we'd say right now let's let's rehearse and we we try and rehearse in the evening and then we we realised we just couldn't sing all day and rehearse in the evening and yeah, yeah. Uh, we had to pace ourselves. The challenge was that back in England we had normal jobs and then barbershop singing was our hobby. When we came to Euro Disney, our hobby became our work. So we effectively had to lose our hobby. Like Martin said, we couldn't sing all day and all night. So mm. uh, it, it presented vocal challenges. It was very hard work vocally. We sang about 40 songs a day, uh, which is about 200 songs a week. I don't know any other vocal group or individuals who sing that number of songs, but we managed it. Wow. And we did, um, within uh, towards the end of 1992, we did move from out in the country to Disney apartments. Right. So, and I think that's when we regained our social time mm -hmm. and our own personal time and space. Yes. Um, and so John and I, for instance, shared an apartment. And um, so obviously a whole new social world opened up. Um, Festival Disney. Yes. Yeah. As it was called. Baye um, Romainvilliers. Yes. The bar uh, there and the... Yeah. And the yeah. John, John and I uh, basically should have had shares in Billy Bob's. Uh, <laughs> was that the hangout? Yeah, that, we spent yeah. a lot of time in Billy Bob's. Yeah, you know, it, it still is. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. But there were two crowds. There was a Billy Bob's crowd and there was a sports bar crowd. Ah. And so depending on where you worked in the park, I think, depended on where you actually went in the evenings. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, so... What was your, your, your main spot was the, was the barbershop, um, mm -hmm. but yes. I think you also participated in many projects at your Disney. Yes, what special, was, what special was, events. What were the highlights? Well, one of the big highlights for me is the Jolly Holiday Show. Um, at Hotel New York. At Hotel New York in the Coliseum, the, a big open span kind of marquee. And that was a dinner show uh, with about 1,400 people, 1,400 guests would, would come to this. They would have a three-course, four-course meal, and it was Mickey, Minnie, all the characters, and us. And it was a great experience. Um, one of the highlights for me uh, was singing for uh, guests who came into the park, celebrities. So we sang for uh, people like Sigourney Weaver. Mm -hmm. uh, we sang for people like David Hasselhoff. And we went to a private party up in the Disneyland. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. And Sting. We sang for Sting as well. Oh, wow. and Amazing. So, yeah, among others. We sang at the American Embassy in Paris. And uh, yeah, it was, it was fab. 
We also did sort of uh, openings. So while I was there, they opened the thing of Nautilus. We actually went and sang just provide a little bit of musical entertainment, mm -hmm. if you like, at the start of that. It wasn't directly like our day job, but it yeah. was uh, just we were there, so they asked us to do it. Yeah. And that meant we got to wear several different costumes. Oh, yeah. So we got to wear the costume from the Auberge de Saint-Vion, <laughs> when we sang there, yeah. like a highwayman costume. We got to wear um, like a New York cop costume when we did a special event at the Hotel New York. Um, we wore a sailor costume for the North Hills opening. And we wore beautiful white suits for the Jolly Holiday Show, we which did. was great. White suits and white top hats. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And our, our Main Street costume as well evolved over the time we were there. So we yeah. started off with stripes everywhere, stripes on the shirt, <laughs> yes. stripes on the waistcoats and stripey... Orange and yellow, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so even the, even the shirts were all different colours. Yes. But, the, but over time, we got different jackets and things. And, and that, was, that was all part of the evolution, the, the excitement, I think. Well, yeah, we looked like yeah. singing rainbows. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we were. But uh, mm. one of the highlights, again, for me, wasn't really a highlight because we had a four-man bicycle called a Quandum. And I wonder if it's still there, guys. I do wonder. Uh, and one day, I was, I was driving and... Um, or, yeah, and um, I got stuck in the tram lines, and uh, there was a horse-drawn oh, tram coming towards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on Main Street, and uh, awkward. <laughs> it, it, it's Two funny. Tons of horse and, and yeah. carriage coming towards us. Yeah. No contest. Although it's funny now, it wasn't funny at the time, and we all fell over, sort of thing. But uh, that was embarrassing. But hey, it was all part of the fun yeah. and the yeah. magic of Main Street. And it was before social media, so no one saw. Sure. <laughs> Nobody saw it. That's so we weren't here to take a video. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an interesting point. <clears throat> because it was before social media it was before digital cameras yes. it was before mobile phones with cameras on and so I think we often think wow if, if we've been doing that now um, I think our music and our love for what we do will just spread further and we, yeah. that's why we're so grateful to you for helping us oh. yes we are <laughs> kind of come back kind of share what we do Absolutely and what we not. did with a new audience as well as those who remember us on the park yes there's there's new there's new folk there's there's young people who, who weren't even born when the park opened who, who, who have come to us and enjoy what we, we do mm. so we're, we're so grateful to you for that oh well thank you <laughs> thank you and um so um i want to i want to hear a little uh, little stories there's um I think when we were there on April 12th, you guys told us about the phone number. Is there a phone number that you have to call to turn off the main street loop? Yeah. Does that still work? Well, if and, I could remember it. Do you have the number? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. I was the keeper of the codes, and they were just in my head. And so if we were doing a set outside the barbershop, uh, there was a phone in the barbershop, mm. an internal phone, and I would use that phone and use the access code. So it was a general, a general phone number, then the code for a specific zone on Main Street. Okay. So we could effectively uh, cut off the background music, or BGM as it's called, uh, that they play for atmosphere. We could cut that off temporarily while mm. we were singing our set because it interfered with... Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we, but we'd also try and, I think, had to remember to time it so that for any of the parade announcements didn't cut into a song as well. I think we'd yes. try it. Hey, yeah. Magnum, we yeah. Yeah, that's we'd right. Try, yeah. we'd, we'd try and make sure we were... That was another highlight because at one point their voiceover man was on holiday or away or something and they said, well, 
John, could you possibly do a voiceover for the Magic Parade? Oh, and so I did. What a dream. Yeah. So they said, well, <laughs> here's the line, off you go. And so it went, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in just five minutes, Mickey's Magic Parade will come down Main Street. Mesdames et messieurs, et vous les enfants, dans cinq minutes. And so off it went. So English and Amazing. French. Yeah, so that was good fun. Too. So they kept it. Did they keep that for the whole season of that? I think they did at that point, yeah. This, yeah. this could be a time for a confession, actually, because talking <laughs> about the codes for the music, there was more than one occasion where we went back to have a cup of coffee after our set and I left the music off <laughs> in, the, in the barbershop area, in the Flower oh. Street area of, uh, of Main Street. And we'd come back out for our next set and really quiet. <laughs> Oops. The, the truth is out, folks. Yeah. But it's you 20 have to call back to put it back on. Yeah, you have to redial uh, and, and re-engage the, the, the music. Yeah, it wouldn't just come back on after 20 minutes or so. And what made it such a special time there was that we, we knew barbershop singers from all over the globe. I mean, people came from America, Germany, New Zealand, uh, Australia... And they said, can we sing a little song with you in the barbershop? So That's we amazing. did that. And we, we were on video cameras and we signed autograph books for people from all over the world. Did you ever meet your counterparts from the US parks? Or, or any they other? didn't come over no. here, but I went to Florida and I saw, uh, saw someone there and sang with the quartet there. <laughs> if you hear a noise, this is Pepper. Uh, so his little paws are uh, clicking on the, on the floor. <laughs> and who has also been barking outside. But she was in, also barking. But in tune, I might add. So. Yes. <laughs> I think some, something else I want to mention is, is just people. And when I say people, yes. I mean fellow cast members yes. that are so dear to us, and amazingly, some of whom are still working at the park. So um, I'm thinking of fellow musicians. So there, there was a gentleman called Sam, who was the ragtime pianist at yes. Casey's Corner. Some of you may remember him. Yeah. There were Keystone Cops, a saxophone group on, on Main Street. And I've just recently reconnected with Thierry, one of the saxophone guys. And one um, of our biggest fans who worked in several shops was a gentleman called Laggi. Laggi Touré. Uh, Laggi Touré. And so uh, he, he was great. He always used to say, listen to the quartet. Everybody listen and uh, he's a great guy and he's still there and he hasn't changed a bit wow <laughs> the great thing also is, is now my, when my daughter visits the park because she's been introduced to him she goes up to Laggi and, and they're friends now and, and so you know they were there for run my daughter was there for run Disney she yeah. did a half marathon and uh, he was right there on Main Street as she ran past and it, there was a high five and everything and so you know, he, he's, he's family isn't he mm -hmm. Laggi he, he really is yeah and I think that's that's what's great. It's the you know generation to generation and and Disneyland Park. Oh, oh sorry, Pepper. <laughs> and uh, Disneyland Paris is is slowly getting to that point where now we're at the second, yeah. maybe even getting onto the third generation of of people who come to the park and who yes. came as 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 kids and. And that's why also it's important to have you guys and to have Laji and to have people who are here since the beginning to sort of bring that, that atmosphere, those memories. Yes. And, uh, because and you see it, you see it a lot, especially in California at the original Disneyland park where, you know, they celebrate um, cast members who have been there for literally 40 years and, and make the park, people come to the park to see them. So I think that's important sure, yeah. to keep that alive and um and in the street atmosphere we saw we were talking about this before we saw a resident of frontierland on friday 
yes. randomly walking around from Tianjin. So hopefully, this is a very first step into maybe bringing back more street atmosphere and maybe right. maybe mm. more singing on Main Street and Main Street residents. A, a positive thing, and and it it's another level to the um, experience for for guests, and it's something uh, we know it's been missing. But that's what other people say to us um, when they realise it's us. What people who have engaged with us on social media said, "Wow, it's it's great to see you again," um, and it's not the same without atmosphere talent. Um, mm -hmm. We the Tam Tams, the African Tam Tam mm. group, they were opening crew. They are still there. Yes, incredibly. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we'd love to see more of that. And we would also love to come back. In fact, this is a great time to pay tribute to uh, Walt Disney, the man himself, and it was his idea to have a theme park where both adults and children could interact and enjoy themselves together, not just the children with the adults on the side. So had it never been for his idea, we would never have come there, gone there and we wouldn't be doing this now. So Walt, wherever you are, thank you. Yeah. And well, we definitely need to have you back in the parks. You know, uh, it's, been a, it's been a great experience last year. I couldn't make it, but the whole team was there. Yeah. And uh, I think it was a great day and, and, awesome. and, and a highlight for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, despite everything yeah. that was going on that day. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's overwhelming for us to hear that. And we, I've heard that from a few people um, that, that it was a highlight for them. And they think, wow, you know, that was a really big day. Yeah. But, but, and the thing is that we love what we do. We're always passionate about every song we sing. We can sing anywhere easily without equipment. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're so transportable and flexible. We can we're sing right, to yeah. anyone for any occasion. We're pop up talent. We are pop up talent, <laughs> absolutely. But I, I think, you know, and being back there last year, for us, we, it was just, uh, we were just transported back in time. So it, it was if, as if we were had always been there and never left. Yes. I think that was it. We just, yes. just yeah. felt part yeah. of being there again. Yeah. It's just so, so uh, exactly. a big thing for us. Yeah. And that's, that's why every time, I go, even when I've been with my children when they were smaller, um, yeah, but all the rides are great, all the lands are fantastic, but I just want to stay in, in, in Main Street. Yeah. I just want to absorb the atmosphere in Main Street, albeit without atmosphere talent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to soak it up. I, I'm happy, in fact, we did. Um, when we were back in, in September, before April 12th, we went back in September 2016, and we spent the whole day in Main Street, and we sat and had a coffee at Market House, uh, Market Street Deli. Um, and sang. And sang. <laughs> um, we sang everywhere. Well, stop singing. <laughs> but there was no pull to go and, and, and ride Thunder Mountain or, or anything like that. It's just it's just where we where we feel at home. Yeah, yeah. because when, when we was back in uh, you know, 92, 93, when we, when we were there, we we didn't stay just in one place, just at barbershop. In Main Street, we you know we we made the most of going to anywhere there was a queue. So yes. Whether it was the queue for Mickey, while well, everyone was queuing there, we'd sing there. We'd go to the train station, we'd sing up there. Yes. Yeah. We, if it was raining, we'd be in the arcades. That's so it. Every part of Main Street, we you know we had a corner, we had a yeah. place where we'd go. Yeah. We moved around, and and, we, and it just became all of it is part of us. We know every nook and cranny. Glad you mentioned the train station because um, on April twelfth. While we were singing at the barber shop, we met the original opening crew um, train drivers. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were, they were there in their um, <laughs> yeah. and their dungarees, and their hats, etc. And it was great, great to see those guys. So, you know, if, if they're listening, hello to them. And um, they very kindly uh, sent us a photo. We had a photo taken with them, and they did say to us, 
you know, they they actually used to make a put a request in if their queue was building up on the platform of, of Main Street Station, they would actually put a request in and we would get a shout, can you go and sing to the queue at the uh, train yeah, station? Yeah. And we used to do a little little set piece, so we would wait for the train, and the train would come in, and wait for it to load, <laughs> yes. and then just as it finished loading, we would run up the stairs as if we were trying to catch the train, knowing that we'd missed it, and we'd, ah, oh, no, and then we would turn around to the crowd and sing to them. Uh, yeah. so, and that's just one example of us that, of a bit of character playing that we did, you know. Yeah. I said to you earlier, I would, in between sets when we weren't singing, I'd say to the guy, I'm just going for a walk. Yeah. And I would put my hat back on, I would walk down Main Street, um, and I would tip my hat to people. People would ask me where the toilets are, ask me what time the two o'clock parade was. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we were just yeah. part of the place, and the place is still part of us. And but, even afterwards, it was very strange coming away from Disney and then walking down a road and where you don't get people looking at you and smiling at you, right. and you haven't got a hat <laughs> to tip because it was just such yes. a reaction to the reflex. Look people in the face, smile, tip your hat, uh, yeah. welcome them like every day for three, yeah. three four years. So, yeah. so what was your daily routine? You would just come in the morning and did you have a fixed set? Or yeah, was it much more? We yeah. would have about seven 20 minute sets. So we'd come in about half past eight, get changed, warm up, drink lots of water, and then go and do our first set about, uh, about 10 o'clock. Yeah. So we'd, we'd probably start, the first one would be more focused around the barbershop. Yes. To get us more into, you know, be a, gent a gentler start because we, we just had to manage how we did it. But then, then you know, near parade time, we'd be on the bike, cycling up and down Main Street, mm, stopping yes. for the crowds and singing to them. So that yeah. it was quite varied through the day. It was. Yeah. And there's another mention there, so the from the barber shop. So yeah. there were two barbers there. So the, the barber we first met was called Jack. And the other barber was a gentleman called Jerome. And I hope you're listening, Jerome. Bonjour, Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> Jerome still works for Disneyland Paris. Okay. Um, not in the barber shop. And he was there on April 12th listening to us sing, and it was fantastic yeah, to see him yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. as well. So, you know, again, there's, a, there's another guy that uh, we consider as, as family. Yes. Amazing. Uh, confession number two. <laughs> so you when did you break now? Martin just, <laughs> Martin just mentioned his hat. Um, my hat is hanging on the wall in my study. Oh, <laughs> I want to see it. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, post a, we'll post a photo. Yeah, photo <laughs> worried my hat. Yeah. Of course, if they want it back, we'll just have to all deliver it in person. Yes. And we'd be very happy to do that exactly. as long as we can sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine, if you're listening, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will come back and uh, we certainly will. return the hat. If, if we'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. And, yeah, uh, and sing and, for you. And talk about the old times and maybe maybe some new ones. So, mm. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to carry on and sing a few songs. Great. Sure. Yeah. And uh, thank you again so much for having me and for being so wonderful and such an amazing part of your Disney, Disneyland Paris history, uh, and for being in touch with us. We love having you uh, in the parks and on our shows and on our feed and uh, hearing from you. So uh, let's, uh, let's keep it going. So thank yeah. you, guys. Merci, ben. Merci à vous aussi. C'est notre plaisir. Voilà. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the EDNE2 podcast. I want to thank uh, my co-host Axel and Michael. Thank you guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being here once again. We'll see you on a 10th episode. And you know, Ooh. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tease it. We're gonna try 
we're gonna try. We might be live from Disneyland Paris next time we record the podcast. Ooh, might be. that's that's cool. Might be, might be. Yeah, if you have, uh, if you have something to ch- suggest for the tenth episode, tweet us at Sneaky Michael at Curious Axel at ED92 Live, and throw in at Capower fourteen there, <laughs> because we love Catherine. So thank you, Catherine, and also thank you to all the guys on the Mason Court for being so awesome. And we really uh, are going to be working on more um, events in the park uh, with the guys of the Mason Court. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, so thank you, guys, and uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Well, who's the leader of the club that's made for me and you and you? M-I-C-K-E-Y-E-D-92. So hey there, hi there, ho there, we are here to sing for you, M-I-C-K-E-Y-E-D-90, E-D-90.